Hello, I'm Bryn Lucas and this is It's All About Me. And this week's me is four-time British Touring Car Champion, Colin Turkington. Colin Turkington, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, pleasure to be on the show, Bryn. Pleasure. So everyone knows who you are. Everyone, I say everyone, everyone who knows motorsport knows who you are. Four-time British Touring Car Champion, but you've also won other titles along the way as well. Northern Irish Metro Championship, I believe, as well. <laughs> That's and, where it all started. Yeah, and, uh, and the Ford Fiesta ZTEC Championship as well. So you've had success along the way. Uh, yes, you know I, um, you know I, I started like like many others uh, with with go kart racing, and um, like like most people, it was just for for fun, just just a hobby, something to do on the weekends. And uh, you know, before before I started uh, racing myself, uh, my father for a long time was involved with uh, road racing in Ireland, so um, motorcycle road racing. He was uh, a long term sponsor uh, of of a local rider, Philip McCallan. Uh, and my dad went on to to sponsor a lot of other riders, you know, people like Joey Dunlop and and Steve Hislop. So we were brought up around the the bike scene, and you know, going to the um, Northwest Two Hundred and the Isle of Man TT every year. So that that was our scene. Uh, but you know, obviously, we were uh, very aware of of the dangers because you know, always there was riders getting hurt, and uh, you know, especially with the TT riders getting uh, tragically. Um, you know, killed. So we were always steered the direction of, of four wheels. So, uh, so we started racing carts and, um, you know, just enjoyed it. I really didn't take it too seriously at all back then. You know, I was, I was just going to hang out with, with my mates and I, I looked forward to the sausage and, and bacon uh, buddies at, <laughs> at 10 o'clock. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was happy. Uh, and it wasn't until much later in my career that I actually started to, to take it a bit more serious. So how old were you when you got into karting then? Uh, I, was, I was 10 years old uh, when I started karting. So the same age as, as my kids now. And uh, I did that for, f- uh, for about four or five seasons. Uh, and then I, I just got a bit, um, I got a bit frustrated with, with karting because inherently, or back then anyhow, they weren't that reliable. So your kart, you know, you'd be, be there on maybe a two-day event and the kart was running perfect on the Saturday and you were at the front and you were quick. You put the kart away on Saturday night, take it out of the trailer on Sunday morning and it wouldn't start. <laughs> or you'd uh, just be about to start the race and you would oil the plug and you wouldn't make the start. So uh, I got a bit fed up with that and um, I suppose just wanted a change of scene. So um, I jacked the carding in and uh, got myself a set of golf clubs and I joined the local golf club and, uh, you know, I thought, I'll, you know, this, let, let's try this. You know, it's looked like fun and I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I played golf for, for a few years, but there was always uh, an inkling in me to, to get back to some sort of uh, motorsport. I think golf is possibly one of the most frustrating sports. <laughs> I am so bad at golf, but I kind of embrace that I am so bad at it. Yeah, it's, it, it's one of those sports you have to invest the time, I think. And, uh, you know, when, when I was that age, I, I could invest the time. You know, after school, I was, I was out on the course. Uh, but it just didn't, I suppose it didn't fill the need that, that I had <laughs> at, at that age. So putting golf to one side, what about driving? When did you first get into a car? My father had and still has a construction business and he has a big uh, yard you know where he would store um you know a lot of machinery and uh, materials and these type of things uh, and i always had a some sort of 
old wrecker car that I would drive about in. So I was always driving something. And it's only when I reflect back now that that's where I honed so much of my skills uh, because I just, I did so much driving, you know, all the time, every evening after dinner, I would just go down to the yard and just bomb around and I would hit things and I would bounce off other vehicles. And, um, you know, I'm always just, that's the start when, when, when you're learning your craft. So, um, you know, those, those are some of my best memories. Hey, with that sort of driving background, that sort of driving skill, BTCC is ideal, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I was uh, training myself perfectly for, to be racing in BTCC. So you started off in kart racing before turning to golf. When did you get back into racing again? It was then when I was 14 that I actually got back into some sort of uh, racing. Um, there was a local autograss uh, club uh, just outside Portadown where I lived. And uh, autograss racing, for those who don't know, is oval racing. It's a bit like stock car racing, but, but in a field. So you're, uh, you're on the loose, basically. Uh, it's not, not gravel, but it's like a shield surface. And obviously when it rains, that turns to mud. So uh, I was racing a, a one-liter mini back then. I was in the junior class. And I did that for two seasons and absolutely loved it. You know, again, it was great for car control. And, you know, the most important thing was I was enjoying it. You know, I was enjoying my uh, racing again. And, and that really, I suppose, that, that, that kick-started my career uh, for the second time. Autograss is really family-orientated, isn't it? It's hundreds of people go along, you know, and you sometimes have husband and wife sharing the same car yeah so how did that work were you a mechanic in that car as well did you used to fix it all up or did you have a team around you uh the, the only mechanic and we did to it was fill it with fuel and do the tire pressures <laughs> that was uh, that was as uh, as far as our engineering went in in those days you know that's um what 20 25 years ago uh so it was low stress as you say it was a family event uh, the whole family went and uh, you know my mum did some races because there was a uh, a, a ladies class uh, as as you say so we, we could share cars and it's something actually I'm thinking about getting my my boys involved with because it's a low cost way to uh, introduce yourself to motorsport uh, yeah. low stress and um, you know it's great for car control and, and you can have good fun for that so it ticks all the boxes how old are your boys now then uh, my lads are uh, 10 and 11 years old so uh, so they both have have go-karts they don't they don't compete uh, we just go out and uh, practice days and test days so for now we're just uh, we're just having fun our local track is uh, is Wilton Mill so we'll go there maybe Wednesday afternoons after school or at the weekends or, or up to PFI uh, it's a bit further away but it's it's probably the track we enjoy going to most so uh, so we're just getting them familiar with the motorsport scene and uh, in the end let them choose what they want to do uh, hopefully it's not motorsport related at all <laughs> well it's expensive uh, isn't it that's the thing yeah, hopefully they'll, they'll, uh, they'll go the golf route <laughs> that I never did. So tell me a bit about your parents. What are they like? My dad's, my dad's worked really hard all his life and motorsport yeah. has always been his release. I've always known him to, to work uh, most of the hours that, that God gives. Primarily, he's always been a building contractor. I suppose in the earlier days, uh, he had a a precast factory. So he was uh, basically producing concrete products uh, for commercial and residential use. So things like um, curb stones or uh, anything you see around your house, uh, windowsills that, that are concrete uh, or railway sleepers, things like that. Uh, 
and he went as far as making bridges and all sorts of things like that. Also, uh, windows and conservatories, so double glazing. Uh, it won't quite tarmac your drive. But <laughs> <laughs> but There's a joke in there other. somewhere, actually, but I'm not going to say it. We <laughs> <laughs> do most other things. And what about your mum? My mum basically has always just looked after us. You know, my, uh, my dad's so busy with the business and then th th three boys, she's basically just always serviced our needs. So, uh, so yeah, we've... Um, normally when when you see one you see us all <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like a clan I guess uh, now you say your dad was a strict dad was he was he firm but fair fair but strict yeah um yeah I think that's um that's that's a good way to put it yeah you, you knew where the knew where the boundaries was and um you, you weren't allowed any sort of lazy time or you always had to be doing something basically uh, you know my boys will come to me some days and say uh, dad I'm bored what can I do you know I I would never have been like that. You know, I'd have been out on my bike or playing football or um, I know life was, was different back then, but we were always doing something and always encouraged by, by the family. And if we weren't doing something, we would be told what to do. But we were brought up well, I suppose, made to go to uh, church and the boys' brigade and these type of things. You know, it's instilled very good values and, and uh, discipline in us. So, uh, yeah, it hasn't done me any harm, put it that way. If we go back to where you grew up, so Portadown, Northern Ireland, in the 80s and early 90s was turbulent, I guess, is a way of describing it because Northern Ireland around that time was going through certain troubles. Was this kind of linked to why your parents maybe were so strict? Possibly so. Um, I, I never really thought of that, but it, it, it does make a lot of sense when you think back. You know, we, we lived in Portadown and like most towns in, in Northern, Northern Ireland back then, were completely segregated so um you know the protestant side of the community lived on one side of the town and the the, the catholic nationalist side lived on the other and there was a lot of conflict and animosity and um for me that's all i knew it was normal you know you couldn't enter or leave ported down without going through an army checkpoint and that was normal for us you know you just when you were leaving the town you stopped at a checkpoint you showed your id where are you going who are you going to see and you had the same on the way back in and um, there was a constant uh, police presence and um, yeah there was there was always trouble in in ireland you know there was always um, bombs shootings um people that you knew um you know coming into real difficulties but but that was life but back then so um, you know, in reflection, that's probably why my parents were quite um, not strict with us, but, um, you know, they kept a real eye on us. Uh, but thankfully, those days are, you know, are, are, are under the bridge now. But, um, you know, it was not an easy upbringing in, in Ireland. And even if things as far as schools, you know, schools still are segregated in Northern Ireland. You know, you either go to Protestant or Catholic and Portadown is still separated. You know, each side of the town is, is different, you know, so you... You know, you do your shopping on one side of the town, you go to that chippy on that side of the town, you don't go to the other side. So a uh, strange place to live on reflection. But, you know, I think Northern Ireland was a very good place to be, to be brought up. You know, people have a lot of um, strong values and, um, you know, uh, faith and all these type of things. So for all the bad things, there was a lot of good things. But, uh, yeah, you just had to be careful as well. That's very pragmatic. Um, but I suppose that comes with age, doesn't it? What did you do after school? Qualifications, that sort of thing? Uh, you know, I, 
after 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 doing my A levels, I went to university. I went to Stirling University in Scotland. Uh, I did a business degree, basically as as a way to to avoid uh, the real world <laughs> for another three to four years. But you know, I always wanted to to race, but I knew I would need something to fall back on because even then it wasn't realistic that that I would be a, a professional racing driver. So you know, so I so I did my degree and. From that, I went straight into, into into racing. Motorsport fans, anybody that knows British Touring Car knows you. They know your wife as well. How did you meet? Uh, we met at school. Um, yeah, we're we're both from from Portadown, and we both went to Portadown College. So we met on a, I think it was my A level exam uh, party. Uh, so the whole school basically went on a on a night out to. Uh, to a venue, to, to, to a nightclub in, in the next town across. And Louise was a couple of years uh, below me. Um, but the, the family sort of knew each other because um, obviously my family was in racing. Louise's uh, family was also in, in motorsport as well. Her, her father and her father's three brothers all raced stock cars. And um, my dad actually sponsored uh, Louise's uncle in stock car racing. So we'd probably met when we were you know, seven, eight, nine years old, but, but didn't know. And, uh, but it was really through, through school that, that we met. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that was a long time ago. I was 18, Louise was 16. So, uh, we've been um, a little bit on and off until, um, you know, probably when I went to university, then it, I suppose it got a bit more serious after that. So, so yeah, we eventually, we had our, our first, uh, child in, uh, Lewis in 2009 and then we got married in 2014. So, it's been quite a decent team, though, hasn't it? It seems quite a good partnership. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I suppose we didn't start out uh, to make it like that. You know, how it happened was that um, Louise worked in London. She worked uh, for for EMI, the music record label, and she did digital marketing uh, and looked after talent, basically on you know any big gigs. You know, she sorted out the writer, you know, what, what they needed in terms of uh, food, drink, before they go on set or come off. So knew how these big artists were being looked after and prepared for uh, for big shows. And um, once she started then coming along to my races, she couldn't quite believe how, how much we were just left to, to do it all ourselves. Uh, as, as drivers, you know, you, you got to race the car three times. You got to sort out your own your own food. You know, you got to deal with sponsors. You got to deal with fans. And there's so many people wanting a piece of you and so many draws of your energy that, you know, she was the one that said, look, we can do this a lot better. You know, we can uh, make this a lot more efficient and uh, basically maximize my performance. So, uh, so she then took over the, um, you know, the marketing side of, of me basically, you know, as, as a racing driver and, you know, we worked hard together then on, the commercial side with with sponsors and we sort of grew that side of things uh but also just looking after me as i briefly mentioned earlier o- over the course of a race weekend so uh so yeah we do we are a great team and uh you know i think that's something it's a real strength uh, of ours you know and i think it's definitely uh, been a been a key in the in the success yeah she's like a sports psychologist isn't she as well that's the thing <laughs> yeah for sure there's there's a lot of that goes on you know it's um and again, um, she understands sport, and we know we read a lot of similar books and journals, and we're interested in sports psychology for so for sure. You know, on a on those difficult days, there's always somebody there to to back you up and give you belief. People always see you as this kind of um, calm 
character, apart from at the end of the season in 2019. What was your stag do like? <laughs> Have you seen the pictures? Is that why you're asking? <laughs> uh, yeah, my stag do was, was fun. Um, so my, my best man decided that I would look really uh, well in one of, uh, of, of the grid girls' outfits. So un- unbeknown to me, they had uh, packed the, uh, I don't know what material it was, some sort of <laughs> spray-on latex material uh, that was packed for high heels, fake boobs, and, and a blonde wig. So, uh, so I was forced to go out on the town. Uh, we went to Edinburgh. So I was forced to, uh, to be a grid girl for the, <laughs> for, for the weekend. So, uh, so you can imagine uh, how I looked. You can, uh, I'm sure you can picture that in your head right now. I'm sure you won't want to. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we had, uh, we, we had fun. We went go-karting. We went indoor go-karting. We uh, did some five-side football. Uh, we enjoyed a few beverages and uh, yeah and I was dressed up as a grid girl. So, uh, so yeah, so we, <laughs> yeah, I was glad to get home for it like that. I w- I definitely only want to get married once. Now, as you say, you've got two kids and they've grown up around motorsport their entire lives and your success too, really. I mean, your first title in Touring Car 2009 and your eldest was only a baby back then. Yeah, Lewis, my, my eldest boy, was, was at that race. He was three months, mm. three months old and that was the Brands Hatch final. In, in 2009 so um so yeah sometimes I ask myself you know what what do the kid what do my kids think of me you know do they think of me as dad do they think of me as Colin Turkington the race car driver do they think I'm uh, I don't have a job that I just have a hobby or <laughs> you know I, I really don't know but um you know they've had a great education because not only do they see me competing and and that whole circus but they see the, the effort that goes into my job and um, that it's not just at race weekends, you know, your, your, your life is invested in the motorsport and they see the work that we do behind the scenes in terms of, uh, you know, keeping ourselves fit and working with sponsors. They see the whole picture. So I think it's a great education for, for, for them. Uh, and yes, you're right. All, all they've known me is, is, um, is a racing dad, uh, but we've, we've had some amazing times, some amazing memories uh, together. So, um, you know, I'm so glad that they've been able to grow up when I'm still competing. Uh, you know, my dad used to race go-karts. He used to rally in, in Ireland, but it was all before. So I don't remember him competing at all. So you just see the pictures uh, and you wonder what he would have been like. So, you know, at least the kids will have plenty of uh, DVDs and YouTube clips to look back on me <laughs> competing. I think also having the kids at a race weekend is another good thing because yeah, you have a bad race or something goes wrong and um, you come back into the, into the race transporter and the kids are, you know, just ask your daddy what happened while, while playing some, some little game in the background, you know, and you realise that life's not so bad. You know, as much as I sort of invest my life in BTCC, that it is a job and you have to try and segregate the, the, the job from normal life as well. Yeah, I was wondering whether having the kids, the fact that they are young in the trailer when you finish a race and you might be climbing the walls with something that's happened during that race and you get in there and one of them's picking on the other one or one's just got jam all over his face or anything like that and all of a sudden you're back down to being dad aren't you yeah to, to be fair because the boys have been brought up through through motorsport they're they're very well drilled on on a race weekend you know i could say that the behavior is 
is is impeccable and because they know it it has to be because uh, you know my wife Louise works alongside with me and you know her, her full attention is diverted towards me on a race weekend and sort of maximizing my performance so the boys know that they have to behave and uh, you know because we're as a family representing BMW they, they know the rules and and guidelines uh, but yeah it's it's not easy having two young kids because they do demand um, a lot of time, uh, a lot of energy, and you know I have to be careful to be present with them uh, at times. You know when all you want to do is think about racing or be on the simulator or something. You know you got to be present with them because in the end that's that's all they really want. But um, for sure it can be really difficult over the course of some race weekends, particularly when we're at hotels because. Uh, you know, we go into a hotel room and there's a fight over who gets what bed. <laughs> and then somebody wakes up in the middle of the night, needing to go to the toilet or needing a drink, and then that disrupts your sleep. And then, they, you know, the next morning they're a bit groggy and I'm sort of watching the clock, knowing I need to be at the track for eight o'clock or something, and they're on the go slow. You know, you have all these sort of things going on uh, away from the track, but you do your best to manage it. You know, it's difficult for, for everybody and it's it's... I think it's about uh, making the best of, of the situation. So what kind of dad are you? How do you describe yourself? Are you a chilled out dad or do you crack the whip? <laughs> no, I, I always say to my boys, you, know, you really don't know your living. <laughs> you know, having, having myself and, and uh, my wife as, as parents, you know, because I remember... You know, when when I grew up, you know, I was, was almost not afraid of my parents, but you, you knew where the line was. You knew not to cross the line or the wooden spoon would come out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think things are, are different nowadays. You know, we try to almost have a, you know, an adult type relationship with, with the kids. You know, we, we encourage them uh, to be independent and, you know, almost like free range kids. Uh, and, and it seemed to, to work so far, but um, it, it takes a lot to... Um, you know, to tip me over the edge. But yeah, I think we just try to have, have fun together. You know, it's, uh, you know, life's too short to, to, to have too many difficult days. Yeah, absolutely. So where do you live now? We moved to, to the UK just over a year ago, uh, all through my career racing and touring cars. We've lived in Portadown and I've, I've just traveled primarily because my, my boys were at primary school in Northern Ireland. So they were um, they went to a small school in the country. It was the school actually that, that I went to, Moy Allen Primary School. I was always nervous about taking them out of that uh, comforting environment. You know, they loved their school, they had some great friends, uh, a super network around them. But, you know, I was on a plane three times a week, uh, going from Belfast to Luton or Belfast to Birmingham, constantly just in an aeroplane. And it was a real drain on, on my energy. And then Louise and the kids would fly over for a race weekend and then we would all get the red eye flight home on a Sunday night. In the end, I was doing up to 100 flights in a year. You know, it's a big draw on energy, big draw on finance, uh, but you just get fed up with the process. So we toiled with the idea of moving to the UK for, for a long time and it was never the right moment and there probably never would have been a right moment. And in the end, we just, we just bit the bullet. You know, we took the, the boys out of, out of primary school, found them a new school. Right now, we, we live just north of Milton Keynes. You know, we picked somewhere central we're absolutely loving it you know we've uh, it's been a new lease of life for us all and and, and nobody has looked back and uh, you know it's so nice to be able to drive to events drive to a race meeting you know i don't have to uh, stay within the uh, 10 kilo <laughs> baggage allowance any longer uh, but also for my kids and their future you know there's so many 
more opportunities over here and especially in in sport and in motorsport you know whether they become drivers or engineers or mechanics or whatever so many opportunities and um, you know we love the area that that we live there's loads of space here not too dissimilar from what we're used to back home so uh, so yeah we're, we're loving life at the moment oh, i see the perfect location for traveling to race meetings then we can actually hear silverstone racetrack from from our house um, you know as the crow flies it's probably only about six miles so on a daily basis you know we can hear cars and, and bikes going around there I wonder if there's a moment that you can identify from when you were growing up, you know, the the real catalyst, the real moment where you thought, you know what, I can do this motorsport thing. Yeah, yeah, it was um, probably after winning the the Fiesta Championship. It was uh, basically on the support package or used to be on the support package to, to BTCC. And that's when I first got a glimpse of what professional motorsport was all about. And I always, I just fancied a bit of it. I didn't know if I could do it, but I fancied a bit of it. And Fiesta's was very competitive. And off the back of winning that, there wasn't a lot of other intermediate steps that you could go. The Fiesta Championship that, that I did was a bit like racing in something like Cleo's in modern day. Uh, and you might go from Cleo to TCR and then on to touring cars. But I, had, I jumped from a 1.4 litre Ford Fiesta that wouldn't pull the skin off a custard into a fond BTCC car because there really wasn't a step in between. So that was quite daunting and a big step, but there was nowhere else really to go. I suppose once I got into touring cars, you know, my first year was with West Surrey and immediately you realize how big of a deal it is, how, how much effort's required because I was partnered alongside Anthony Reid and, and Warren Hughes, you know, experienced drivers and you see that how these guys go about their sports. So that's when I almost the switch flicked and I decided, right, if I'm, if I'm going to make something of this, I need to put in the effort that, that they do. And uh, yeah, that's when I properly sort of started pursuing the career. Everything before that really was just, um, you know, was just for fun. Can you remember sitting in the in your first ever British touring car race on the grid? Can you still picture that moment sitting there waiting for those lights to go? Oh, vividly. Um, I remember so much about it. Uh, it was at Alton Park in 2002. And um, th- my first team was uh, Team Atomic Kitten. And for those listeners that um, were about in the, uh, in the early uh, millennium will remember Atomic Kitten as the as the girl band. So, um, so our first race at Alton Park, the girls came along and they were our grid girls for that weekend. You know, I was like a rabbit in the headlights because this was such a new world to me on the touring car grid with uh, this world famous uh, girl band, you know, standing in front of my car. Yeah, I remember it so well. Like, you know, I qualified mid-grid. I think it was P8 or something. Uh, sticks in my mind and I had David Leslie behind me in the Proton. I had Tim Harvey to my right in a Peugeot. I could see people like Ivan Muller, Matt Neal, guys that I had grown up watching on TV, you know, all heroes of mine. And I was on the grid with them. And, you know, you, you really feel like you don't belong there. You know, what am I doing in the midst of all these guys, you know? But once, once the lights go out, you just, you just think about racing. So great memories then. But you've been in the sport for so long. This will be my... I think 15th year in BTCC. I had a three or four year sabbatical where I did other things, but to me, it only feels like yesterday. So, Do you ever think about yourself 
being on the grid when there is a young driver alongside you and think, God, I remember being that young driver? Or do you just completely block that out? You know, I'm regarded as one of the, uh, the elder statesmen now in BTCC. And that always takes me back because I suppose like everybody, you still feel like you're 18. And, uh, you know, the new guys are hungry. They're, they're, they're fast. And uh, I think that's what makes it constantly difficult and, and, and challenging. You know, they're, the guys who haven't won it before are, are so hungry to win it for the first time and uh, are prepared to, to go to any level to win. And, and that's the mentality I need to be in year on year. It doesn't matter that, that I have won the championship four times. You know, I'm, I still hang my hat on the fact that Matt Neal and Jason Plato are still in the championship. And, uh, you, know, they're, um, you know, they're a good 15 years older than me. Now, you're not the only Turkington racing driver. Your brother James won the TCR Championship last year. But you've got a sense throughout that season that he had this huge weight of expectation on his shoulders because of his surname. Possibly so. I'm, I'm sure he felt that. Um, you know, and sometimes I felt a bit sorry for him because anything I would read in the press would be James Turkington, younger uh, brother of uh, you know, a British touring card driver Colin Turkington and and you know knowing James he wants he wants to be his own person his own entity so you know winning the the TCR championship last year has has given him that so uh, so so I'm really pleased with him yeah it's good isn't it to have that support talking to support what do your family make of your success I, I'm, I'm not sure really you know I, I still think that um I, I still think that my dad thinks that I don't have a proper job <laughs> you know that uh, you know, someday I'll get a proper job type thing. <laughs> so yeah, one hundred percent, he supports me. Uh, he has done from from the beginning. But um, you know, I think unless you're involved in sport yourself, uh, you know, my parents never really played sport themselves. I still think that he um, he thinks that I just turn up at the weekend and do some racing type thing. I think he slowly starts to appreciate the work that goes on in the background in terms of. Um, you know, fitness and psychology, all these things are like the psychology goes over his head and he doesn't understand it. And uh, there's no way why you would need it, you know, <laughs> just get in and drive the car. But <laughs> yeah, well, it's simple, right? It's simple. So what would a proper job be for you? <laughs> yeah, I think a, a proper job. Well, my, my brothers have proper jobs, put it like that, uh, you know, in the eyes of my parents. My older brother works in the family business, so uh, he, he looks after, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, house uh, sales and rentals and commercial lettings and things like that. And my younger brother is, uh, is an estate agent, basically. So a proper job for me, I don't know, I'd be a good BMW car salesman, maybe. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe when this is all done, I can... Uh, uh, I don't think I'd be brave enough to open my own uh, dealership. You know, I'd be I'd be good at giving test drives, maybe. So <laughs> I think you'd probably terrify everybody on a test drive. <laughs> <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't buy the car. Yeah, I often ask myself this, you know, what, what, what would I do if I wasn't racing? Or, you know, what will I do? Sometimes I start to worry about that. And then I just remind myself how important it is to live in the present moment and not stress about the future and not worry about the future because nobody knows what's going to happen and I always believe that when one door closes another one opens to sell a book write a book about your life I reckon there'll be enough British touring car fans out there to to keep you afloat for a while yeah that's maybe somewhere to start you know I always think you know would I like to have my own team you know would I like to have my own race team and you look at the the, the time and the stress um, and the 
effort that goes into to running a successful team. You know, the thing with motorsport is that um, performance is money. So it doesn't matter how much, uh, you know, sponsorship or whatever money you're able to bring in. You know, you always need to be faster. So that means you always need to spend money. So I think in, in motorsport, it's as a team, it must be impossible to actually make, make money. So, uh, so I'm not quite convinced I'll go down that route. But uh, yeah, I, I want to keep driving for, for as long as I can, as long as I'm competitive. And you know, I've been really fortunate to not only race in, uh, British touring cars, but you know, I'm doing some racing in um, in China. Also, I do some races in the Chinese Touring Car Championship, and uh, you know, in the future, who, who knows what what other doors may open for me. All right, let's mix this up a little bit. What's the lowest low of your career? That's a tricky one. You know, I, I try to, you know, I try not to uh, look back with with regrets or. You know, there's always difficult moments, but I think low points, you always, you know, low points or failures are always sort of good learning opportunities. So there's always lessons to be learned from low points. Reflecting back, 20, 2015 was, was a, a difficult season for me. You know, I had, you know, from when I started in 2002 up until 2004, my career was sort of on the, on the rise and I was the young guy coming through that that was doing really well I was with West Surrey and then I uh, moved to, uh, to to VX Racing um, alongside Ivan Muller that year in a in a new car and the car was difficult you know all drivers found it difficult and a really tough season I wasn't enjoying the environment as much as I had done previously and it was just a real tough year of, of my career and you know I was glad to get to the last race of the season until it was over yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It was then the catalyst for me to say, right, I'm going to come back, prove people wrong, you know, prove to people that I'm as good as I was before that season. The next season, 2006, I finished third. You know, I, I went into the season final with a chance to win. The following season after that, I was independent champion and my career has been on the up ever since. So I think it's a good lesson for anybody that... Um, you expect a bumpy road in life and things will not go as planned and there will be setbacks, but you just, you know, you have to use them as, as opportunities to, to learn and to, uh, to inspire you to, to move forward and maybe in a new way. All right. So maybe this one's slightly easier. Maybe it isn't. We've done your lowest low. What about your highest high? <laughs> Yeah, it's, I've had so many good moments. I've, you know, I've been so fortunate. And that's not just down to me. You know, I've been with uh, you know, West Surrey racing and BMW for the majority of my team. That's where all my success has come from, the four, the four championships. And uh, yeah, I think the first one's always the hardest. You know, getting that first one over the line in 2009 was, um, was a big achievement. You're covering new territory. You've never won before. You don't know how to do it. Uh, there's so much stress and pressure. That was definitely um, a, a big moment. Um, but I, I think in, in my racing career, the biggest high I felt, the biggest adrenaline rush has been last year's season final. And I say that because because I'd lost it, because race two at Brands Hatch, you know, I was put out of the race and I didn't score any points and, and my championship was over. I'd, I'd led it all season, but in one moment it was over. But then for the tables to flick and within probably two hours I went from zero to, to hero you know that that 
that feeling is is the drug. You know, that's why that's certainly that's why I go go racing to to actually win win the the, the championship as tough as BTCC, but to nearly lose it and then to win it uh, at the very end. You know, that was the ultimate high, and um, I suppose that's that's the drug that that we keep chasing. Uh, you know, I don't chase. Uh, records, you know, you don't. I don't chase the, the the fifth title to say I've won this series five times. It's it's that journey that's the most rewarding. So it's it's that because you know you've invested so much. It's a testament to yourself because you are one of the most respected drivers. I think it's fair to say among the fans, and I think uh, the drivers will respect you as well. When you win the title, I think everyone can applaud rather than shaking the head and thinking, oh, you shouldn't have been him. So I think that's, uh, that's quite a nice testament, isn't it, really, that people are on your side? Yeah, no, no it is. Uh, you know, I've always had, had good support. And I think, mm. um, you know, I've, I've always liked to try and win it in, in, the, in the right way. You know, of course, I will make mistakes. You know, because touring cars are so close, you will always hit somebody or do something you don't, you don't mean to do. But, uh, you know, I, I always like to feel like I've won it in the right way and gone about it fairly. And I suppose that, oh stems back to, to how I was brought up by my parents. So, and, and I think fans appreciate that. Of course, they like to see battles and uh, they like to see a bit of action, a bit of carnage. But I think, you know, because I've been in the championship a long time, it's, um, you know, guys that you can race with. Uh, you know, I've had some great teammates and, and, you know, BTCC has always been such a high level that, you know, there's such a thrill racing drivers of that calibre. So finally then, what about the immediate future for you? You know, as I start this season, I have to be as hungry, as willing to fight as hard and prepared to sacrifice as much as I have ever done to, to win it again. So it's, I think that's what makes the job difficult because it's not easy doing that um, year, year after year and put yourself in that uncomfortable place, you know, daily, you know, you got to, push yourself, stress yourself in training and, you know, to, to stay at the top, you, you got to invest a lot. So that's, that's the challenge. Uh, but I'm still young enough to do it. And, um, you know, while I'm still fit and healthy, you know, I'll, I'll give it everything uh, that I can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Loving every moment and I hope it uh, keeps going for, for as long as possible. Yeah. I really hope you don't ever have to have a proper job. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Colin, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, and enjoyed every moment of it. My thanks go to Colin Turkington. If you want to find out more about him, follow him on Twitter at Colin Turkington, on Instagram, Colin.Turkington, or of course, just search for him on any well-known search engine. This has been It's All About Me. I'm Bryn Lucas. Thanks for listening.